How fulfilling is something that we haven't fully given ourselves to? How much satisfaction can we get out of something that we haven't fully committed to and fully given ourselves to? Let me give you an example. Have you ever gone on a vacation where you weren't fully committed to unplugging? Where you weren't fully committed to rest? You weren't fully committed to relaxing and seeing beauty and creating new memories and enjoying your family or your spouse or your friends? Because you... You couldn't let go of responsibilities or tasks. And so you had that laptop with you. You had your iPad with you. You had your phone or checking emails or you were answering the phone and putting out fires. How committed were you to relaxing and resting? And how fulfilling was that vacation because of that lack of commitment, right? What about relationships? How fulfilling are the relationships that we won't commit to? The relationships that we won't be fully given to. How satisfying are they? The ones that are that we kind of keep at arm's length or surf, you know surface level or superficial, because maybe we're you know afraid of getting hurt, or maybe we're like, I don't have time for another friend. I don't have time to to engage. I'm busy. They seem nice. I'll just keep them friend-ish. Life is not fulfilling when we're not fully given to something. We cannot truly be fulfilled, nor can we truly be fulfilling in anything that we are not fully given to. And it doesn't matter what it is. There's times that I would love a home-cooked meal. I would love to make a healthy home-cooked meal. But I'm not fully committed to it because I don't want to take the time to do it. And so I hit some crummy drive-through or I get some, you know, some crummy meal. And when I'm at that meal, I always have the same thought. That wasn't fulfilling. And I didn't satisfy. I wish I would have taken the time to grill some chicken breasts and make myself a grilled chicken salad. Today's message is titled, Fully Given. Fully Given. If you want to turn in your Bibles or your Bible apps, the first scripture we're going to read today is 2 Corinthians 8. And if you if you like to multitask, if you like to like get your fingers lodged in different parts of the Bible, then from Second uh, Corinthians eight we will go to Luke six, and then spend some time in the first couple, few chapters of Ephesians three and two. Second Corinthians eight one through five, we read. This this is Paul speaking. He says, "We want you to know, brothers." about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty 
have offload. If we can stop right there. Nary have those words been spoken together outside the Word of God. Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in what? A wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints of a church that was struggling in Jerusalem. And this, not as we expected. This is key. But they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. But they gave themselves first to the Lord. That was the order. They didn't give themselves to the hurting church in Jerusalem first. That wasn't godly order. They gave themselves first to the Lord. See, when things out of order, then sometimes you know we, we struggle with motives, and, and that's not satisfying either. See, if we're doing something out of out of obligation or expectation, or someone's watching me, or ah, that's not fulfilling either. They gave themselves first to the Lord. See, godly order matters. When we give ourselves fully to the Lord, that's a life that's satisfying. That's a life that is rich. That's a life that is rich regardless of the areas of lack. Giving ourselves fully to the Lord in a place of trust and dependence and affection and belief and hope. That is a life fulfilling. Even though it's not fulfilling, giving ourselves partially to the Lord. It's just not. Jesus even said, be hot or be cold. But don't be that disgusting, lukewarm place in the middle because that, I'm going to vomit you out. Be hot or cold. Don't live in this place of mediocrity. See, God never wanted us to live a life unfulfilling. He never wanted us to live a life of mediocrity. I've come, this is, this is what Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly and have it to the fullest. That's what He wants for us. You guys, I'm telling you right now, young people, here, learn this now. You only have life abundantly when you're living life fully given to the Lord. Life partially living for the Lord does not satisfy. It doesn't. I tried it. It stinks. You've tried it. It stinks. They gave themselves to God first. And in doing so, they were blessed. In doing so, they were favored. And in doing so, they had abundant joy. And they had anointed generosity. 
that's pretty remarkable. Like begging for the honor of giving more. I don't know what the obstacles were that they had to overcome in giving because like they could just you know go to the post office and do an overnight shipping and, and, and send generosity. I don't know what obstacles had to be overcome for them to get more giving to the church in Jerusalem that was in need. But they're pleading with Paul. We have more to give. We want to give more. Let us give more, please. They begged for the opportunity to do more. Friends, when we are fully given to the Lord, we humbly beg for the opportunity to be included in what God's doing. Not not out of some you know, lowly thing, but out of a place of humility going, Lord, I just want to be near you, Lord. I just want to be in your presence, Lord. I just want to be used of you, Lord. I just want to represent you, Lord. Lord, would you give me a word for somebody? I, I prayed that, I prayed that big time today. I did my 360. You guys know about the 360, right? You know, I normally start to the left and, and I just kind of look around and I do a 360 to see if the Lord's highlighting anybody. And this morning there was like, like a light bright set you know, back when you remember the light bright sets when you were a kid? Okay. If you don't, you're 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 young, and if you do, you're old. Um, so light bright sets. And it was like that. It was like boom, 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 boom. The Lord just started highlighting people. I got so excited because I'm always asking the Lord, Lord, if you give me a word for somebody, I'm gonna share it. Lord, if you give me an encouragement to somebody, I'm gonna bring it. So Lord, speak to me. Fully given to the Lord so that we can be fully used by the Lord to ask you have we fully given ourselves to the Lord have you fully given yourself to the Lord I'm being candid I'm being straight with you is there anything you're withholding is there anything you're keeping from him is this a relationship that you're keeping at arm's length is this a relationship that you don't have time for? So you're partially given to the Lord. I want to encourage you, if that is you, I know it's unsatisfying to you. I know it is. That's not what he wants. We can't truly be the church until we fully give ourselves to Christ first. Last week I talked about Friendship, right? Friendship before function when it comes to serving. Yes, we serve. But it should come out of a place of friendship with God and love for His people, of fulfilling the two greatest commandments, loving the Lord your God with all your mind, soul, strength, time, effort, influence, resources, whatever, and then loving your neighbors yourself. And today I'm talking about that we we need to serve. We need to give. We talk about generosity being a value in this church. And we cannot live generously. Where there's just a reckless abandon with, with our lives unless we've fully given to the Lord. We can't fully make an impact in the lives of others for Christ until we are fully given. Luke six forty six through 49 reads as this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, 
and do not and not do what I tell you. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. Okay? So I'm going to pause real quick. Jesus is about to tell a story, okay? There's going to be two characters in this story. There's a man who does three things, or a person. There's, there's, a, there's a Christian. There's a Christian that does three things, and then there's a Christian that does two of the three things, okay? So this is what, this is what Jesus is about to say. Whoever comes to you, whoever comes to me and hears my words and does them. So comes to him, hears my words and does them. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. So let's stop for a second. Christian did three things. Came to him, heard him, and obeyed him. Came to Jesus, heard his words, did what his words said. Let's pick back up. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and it and the ruin of that house was great. The first Christian, the house was not shaken. The first Christian, the storms of life came against him and he was not shaken. He was not consumed. He was not left ruins. He came to Jesus. He heard from Jesus. He obeyed Jesus. The second Christian did two of the three. And partially, that's... That's like a passing grade. That's a 66. I don't know. That's still pretty much an F, right? I don't know. But if you're if you're hitting a fastball, you're you're a Hall of Famer, batting 666.66. Yeah. It's not enough just to come to Jesus, and it's not enough just to hear Him. It is not enough. And this isn't my this isn't my opinion. This is this is Christ. This is this is Bible. This is the intention of God. Why? He doesn't want our life in ruins. He wants there to be stability and depth. He wants those pylons going deep. So storms of life come, we're not decimated. Right? There's no fulfillment and there's there's no life in partial giving to the Lord. That second Christian, Jesus says that his faith is flat and that he'll fall flat when hardships come. Let me go and say it. Let's not be that Christian. Let's not be that person that's only a hearer of the word. Church, let's be doers of the word. If I can be so bold, you may, you may. As a follower of your Christ, as a follower of Jesus, your life is not just about you. As a follower of Jesus, my life is not just about me. Because see, we are included in a plan. We are included in the most amazing, remarkable plan. 
God's plan to reach this world for Jesus has always been and has only been the church. The church. His plan to reach the world is the church. There is no plan B. There is no fallback plan. His plan has always been the church. His plan will only be the church. So we've got to be the church in reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have a job as His body, as His bride, as His church to make Jesus known and His plan has always been us. So what does that mean? How do we let this... Where does it sit in our backyard? For this region to hear about Jesus, it's our responsibility. And not just our responsibility is impact. Every Jesus-believing, Jesus-loving, Jesus-preaching, Jesus is the only way to the Father declaring church. It is our unified responsibility as the church to reach our region with the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's take it even deeper. What about the kids at your school? He called you to reach them with the good news of Jesus Christ, loudly declared by your lives, and then lovingly spoken when the words are there, when He provides the words, when He says, speak. Our workplace, our neighborhood. But first we must freely give ourselves to God. Do we want... Do we want abundant joy? Not a trick question. This is like such a... Do we want abundant joy? We've we got to give ourselves freely to Jesus. Do we want anointed generosity and supernatural provision? We've got to fully give ourselves to the Lord. I, I love what Christine said when, when just speaking before praying over the offering. Fear has no place in our giving. That's why we give right up front. That's why we give off the top. We don't wait to see if there's enough left. We give off the top in faith. And we give no room for fear. There should be no room for fear in our relationships. Our relationships with one another should be based on faith and love. Our relationship with God same. Do you want to illuminate dark places? Do you want to be a light in a pitch black place? Fully give yourself to God. So I've said a mouthful there. Let me just back it up with Scripture here. Ephesians 3, 7 through 11. Of this gospel, I was made a minister. I was made a servant according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints. So church, if we've ever felt like the very least or the very unqualified or the very whatever, Paul felt that way too. Okay? So we're not exempt. He's sitting there saying, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery of hidden for ages in God, who created all things. Verse 10, 
so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. So that through the church, the ecclesia, the gathering of citizens called out of their homes into a public place or an assembly, an assembly of Christians geared for a worship meeting. That's the definition of ecclesia. Okay? Someone out of their homes gathering together for worship. The church. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purposes that he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love, I mean, when we read this, we got to kind of, you know, read between the lines a bit. And Paul starts getting worked up. He makes this bold declaration. He's like, I want the heavenlies, I want every ruler in a high place, both evil and good, to see that the church is God's chosen vehicle for saving the world. It's awesome. It's bold. It's passionate. The church. Paul talks, he expresses a desire for every believer to walk in this personal role in spreading the incredible truth of God's purpose. To be used as the church in the vehicle of God's chosen expansion. Someone worship is, worships at home and says, "Ah, I'm a Christian. I just, you know, I just don't go to church, and you know, I'll, I'll you know, watch it on TV, but I don't go to church anymore." Sorry, it's not scriptural. It's not scriptural. I know that person's been hurt. I know that person's been let down. I, I don't know the exact story of that person, but I know that person needs to get their butt back in church because we are called to do this together. We are called to represent unity. We're called to reflect the unity of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The Trinity walks in perfect unity, and we are to walk in unity as His bride, and we can't do it in our jammies, eating Legos on the couch, and never coming in and being in the church. We be the church together. We don't be the church alone. I like parachurch organizations. I love them. We support them parachurch, para, I mean an outside, outside church organizations. The parachurch organizations, we're not given the mandate of, of, of being the vehicle to reach the lost. The church was. The church was. What we do together matters. What we do together is important. What we're called to walk in together is huge. Deep breath, Mark. Deep breath. Find my place here. To be used by God as the church, we must be the loving, willing, and fully committed people that he said we are. We have to serve, and we must minister. Let's look at 1 Peter 4, 8-10. We're going to hop back to Ephesians 2, and then we'll hop back to 1 Peter 4, so you can kind of Keep your in those places. First Peter four eight says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, genuinely, authentically, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, 
use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. So what is the gift that you have received? What is this gift that you have been given by God that He tells you to use to serve one another, being responsible to do so, representing and manifesting His grace? What is that gift? Well, that's just it. I don't know. I don't know what my gift is. Tell me what my gift is so I can operate in it. I don't know. That's why I'm doing nothing, because I don't know what my gift is. You poor thing. Let me, let me make it abundantly clear what your gift is. You've been saved. You have new life. Salvation has been poured out to you. Ephesians 2, 8 and 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one will boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, beforehand that we should walk in in them. Our gift is salvation. Our gift is life. Our gift is breath. We're alive and saved and forgiven and redeemed and whole. That is our gift. Walk in it. Use it. Use it to reach the lost. Use it to strengthen his body. We must Use it to God's glory. We were given a gift, but but there's purpose in that gift. We were given a gift, but it's not just a self-beneficial gift. It's got to be used for God's glory. If I gift you with a cooler, big old igloo cooler full of fresh T-bones. I'm not gifting that to you so that you can freeze it and that that will last throughout the year. I'm gifting that to you so you can invite friends and reach out to neighbors, include people and have a feast and a celebration and enjoy life and include others in that enjoyment of life. Does that make sense? That's what God's given us, but it's way better than a T-bone, way better than a filet. First Peter 4.11, the second part says, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that everything God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. What we do, we do to the glory of God. Friends, we've got to be fully given. See, if, you, if you've trusted in Jesus, if you've believed in Jesus, then, then you're, you're saved. 
I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about life abundant. I'm talking about life truly fulfilling. And I, this part I am trying to convince you of. The salvation I'm not trying to convince you of. Only God can save. Only Jesus can save. This part I am trying to convince you of. If you haven't fully given yourselves to the Lord, you're missing out on so much more. Jesus calls it life abundant. Jesus calls it life to the fullest. See, we can't truly be a... I've, I've preached on serving now for three messages. It's been a part of... It's been a part of what I've been preaching. We can't truly be servants and ministers if we haven't fully given ourselves to the Lord because then our joy runs out, right? Our our patience runs out. Our energy runs out. Our strength runs out. It it becomes... We forget why we're doing it. We, We can't truly be a generous church with our time, our resources. I want you guys to know, I try to make every... Every relationship that's vital to me, I make available to you. Why? Because that's called generosity. Every valuable relationship to me, I make available to you. How fantastic was that time we had on Tuesday with, with Mike Ware? That was just wonderful. We had this great time. When Pastor Larry comes, he's on our board of advisors. It's not even in the bulletin, but but Al Keach, who, who was my pastor for... Over a decade, he's going to be preaching on August 18th. And and we're trying to get... I don't know that we've done the best job of of just stressing the importance of these relationships. And so Steve Crowder is the, the other person on our board of advisors, and we're trying to get Steve in in the summer or the fall as well. We, we can't live that generous life, that faith-filled life, that fulfilling life without being fully given. I guess this call to action is pretty simple. Are you holding out on God? I mean, we, we know each other well enough. You know I love you. I know I'm being candid. I know I'm just coming straight to the point. Are you holding out on God? Are, are, are you holding any part of your heart out on God because you just want to wait. You just want to measure. You just want to be safe. Have you given yourself fully to Him and His plan of using you to reach a hurting world. I love that Paul says, I'm the least. I'm the least of these. And let's not, let's not take lightly the impact you can make. Wherever you are. In any situation, you are a light set on a hill for the world to see. Have you fully given yourself to Him and to His plan of using you to build up His church with encouragement and love and service and resources? If you've been holding out on God, if you haven't given your all to Him, don't feel bad. Just change your mind. We're not asking you to hold your head in shame. As a matter of fact, don't hold your head in shame we don't, that's not a scriptural response to the grace of God. Hold your head high and say, 
no more. I'm not going to hold out on you anymore. I'm not going to keep some in reserve anymore. I'm not going to walk in fear anymore. I trust you. I believe you. And I give myself fully to you. Just declare it. Let's all stand up real quick. Let's let's all just stand up. I'm like wrapping up in 30 seconds. 30 seconds from the time the last person stood up. For those of you that are timing. Okay. No more holding out on God. Not if we want to live a life that's fulfilled. No more holding out on God. Not if we want to win life to the fullest. No more holding out on God. No more keeping in reserve some for ourselves. You can trust Him with your affection, so go all in on your affection. You can trust Him in your praise. Go all in on your praise. You can trust Him in your belief. Go all in on your belief. You can trust Him that He... That his math is not our math. He's a multiplier of resources and time. So we can go all in on service and ministry to our king. If that's you, if that relates to you, just say, yes, Lord. I'm making a change right now. Just where you are. I'm not going to ask you to, I don't want to see it. Just right now in your heart and possibly you know, even with your words, say, no more, Lord. I am not holding out on you. I'm giving you my all. I want life to the fullest. I don't want some partial relationship or partial anything with you. I'm all in. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for your church. I thank you that we lack no good thing. Lord, right here where we are, we lack no good thing. You are sufficient. But Lord, you are our shepherd and we shall not want... You are more than enough. And so we go all in with you, Lord God. We go all in. You got to go. You got to go all out. You got to go. You're no longer going to dictate our relationships with others or with God. You're no longer going to determine our use time or giving or anything. Lord, we say yes to you. We love you. We trust you. You're awesome. In Jesus' name, amen.